Hey, what up, y'all? It's your man, Uncle Dub. Uh, so it's uh, Tuesday. Is it Tuesday? Oh my gosh, it's just, these weeks are just going by uh, real quick, and I'm losing track of days. But um, so a quick uh, little episode here. Got some odds and ends from sports that are happening. So you know, nothing. Some stuff's kind of in the mainstream. Some things are kind of on the, you know, not getting a whole heck of a lot of media coverage. And then there's like, you know, just a few little pieces here. Uh, we'll start off with, um, with with JMU softball. So I think in my last show or the show before that, I gave a shout out to uh, James Madison softball. So I want to give them another shout out. So they uh, lost to Oklahoma. So the number one overall seed in the uh, Women's College World Series and that put them out of the tournament. Um, and really, they, I mean, they, they rode a, a wave of just really good play. Um, they uh, were led by their uh, their pitcher, so Richard Senior Odyssey Alexander. So I wanted to give her a shout because, I mean, her performance was just uh, mind-blowing. Um, and one of the things I read about her is, you know, it, it's interesting that this is the first that we're hearing of her. Um, so in what, in the tournament she pitched, if I read this correctly, 64 and two thirds innings, she threw a little over a thousand pitches and struck out 66 batters. I mean, that is just phenomenal. Um, uh, in her, uh, the article I read about her, they talked about, uh, I guess she, I guess she started like in softball at a really young age and her, her grandfather, uh, set up like a little area for her to practice her pitching and she just, you know, she was always just enamored with the game and she didn't get any uh, offers from any like big time schools to uh, to play softball. But she got, you know, a chance at James Madison and she really made the most of that. And they just had a magical run into the tournament. And you hate to see it in in that way. But the one thing I do want to say, and this is kind of one of those things about about sports that is heartwarming. I mean, when she left the game. Um, the crowd at the uh, the Women's College World Series, I don't know, I forget where they play, but it was a mostly Oklahoma crowd, gave her a standing ovation, and it was so well-deserved, and it was so classy by uh, the Sooners fans. Just, just you know, just, it, it's, you know, one thing about sports rivalries, it's one thing when two teams, you know, two teams don't like each other. And sometimes, I mean, this isn't a rivalry, but, you know, you, you, you pick a side, okay? I'm either for this team or for that team. But when it's all over, when you as a fan and even you as a player, when you can acknowledge um, some really good play by your opponent, I think that says a lot about you. It says a lot about, you know, again, it's it's not always about the game on the field. You know, you, you play a game, but, you know, at the end of the day, you know, it's, you know, the rivalry has to stop at some point or the competition stops at a certain point and you recognize the other person for who they are, what they've accomplished and you know you just don't take it that far um i always say i've said it many times on this podcast it's it's more than about what's happening on the field and and i think that move by the oklahoma fans i gotta give them a shout out uh very you know just outstanding uh that was just very classy and you know um but um but yeah man um james madison did the thing and and looking at their roster They've got, you know, they've only had, what, three or four seniors on their roster. They've got a lot of juniors. I mean, again, I don't know what the future is going to hold for this program, but, I mean, I would love to see them run it back. I mean, I don't know who's coming in, but, you know, because, I, I mean, I, I don't, I, I'll be honest with you, I don't really follow softball like that. So, but this was just one of those, one of those great stories that comes up. You know, we, we, 
every year in sports, there's always a handful, and and sometimes you hope there are more. There's always a handful of really good stories that, and sometimes it's it's either a story in a sport that's mainstream, and you know it starts off as you know maybe a background story, and then it just comes to light, or it or it's a heartwarming story or a good story that happens in a sport that no one really pays attention to or it's just something that it's you know somebody brings attention to it no matter what sport it's in and it just comes about and people latch on to it so uh again shout out to jmu uh again another shout out to harrisonburg like i said say what you want if you're from virginia you know the state i i'm a i'm a virginia guy and uh harrisonburg for me is a very underrated town i like harrisonburg shout out to the dukes um, just good stuff on that, and I wish you guys the best uh, moving forward. You know, building on that momentum uh, going into next season, which at this point seems like forever, but we're gonna be. I mean, this year's flying by. I mean, we are, we are, we are officially seven days away from the literally the middle of this year. Like we're gonna be smack dab in the middle of the year, and then ten days after that is gonna be half Christmas. I mean, another crazy thought that we're in, ten, in 17 days from now, we're going to be six months from Christmas. What? <laughs> this year is flying by as opposed to that crazy year of 2020 that it felt like I felt like January took six months and then the year just kind of crawled by. And then, of course, we're all uh, cooped up in the house and now we're. Uh, out in the streets like nothing ever happened and and well i'm just hoping that nothing happened nothing else happens but again we we just don't know how how this thing's going to pan out because the virus is still out there the variants are out there so there's just so much that we still have to you know be so much that we still have to be concerned about and wary about um as um you know as we move forward into uh the second half of the year um so here's another little odd end here, and this is from another sport that not a lot of people follow, but I, I guess I bring this up for a couple of reasons. So at Syracuse, so Syracuse men's lacrosse coach John, John Desco retires. So he was at Syracuse for 46 years. Now it's a long time, and I'll kind of circle back to that in a second. We're talking 46 years as a player and a coach. So he became the head coach in 1999. So in his time there, um, he won five national championships as a head coach, so 11 national championships total. So I would figure that's uh, four as a player, two as an assistant, four as a player, two as an assistant, that's six, and then five as a head coach, that's 11. I had to, I had to do the math. Like, how, how did he win 11 national championships but five as a head coach? And I had to break it down. Okay, six as a player doesn't make sense. I mean, unless, you know, you had extra eligibility, but I would go ahead and break it down as four as a player, so he probably got – one every year as a player, then he got two as a head, two as an assistant, and then five as head coach. He was assistant coach, um, two time national coach of the year, five time ACC coach of the year. They went seven and six this year, which per the Syracuse standard, because Syracuse they have a great lacrosse tradition. Seven and six is not a good season, but they were ranked second in the nation this year, and they lost to Georgetown in the first round of the NCAA tournament. Now. To kind of give you some perspective on that, Georgetown made it to the quarterfinals and got washed by eventual national championship champion Virginia. So that kind of gives you a little bit of perspective on that. Now, why do I bring this up? 46 years, I said, it's a long time. That's so much can happen in 46 years 
uh, you know, in 46 years, you know, you, you just see how life changes, how sport changes, how rules change, all this sort of thing. But there's two things here. Number one, what is it with coaches at Syracuse who just refuse to go away? Now, Desco, I give him credit. It took this long for him to kind of say, OK, it's time for me to go away or not go away to step down. Again, uh, 99, he's been coaching since 99, so that's what, uh, 20, not, not quite 30 years, um, so 20 plus years, okay? Um, but I didn't get a chance to run the numbers, but from what I recall, Syracuse, for the longest time, was a major player and a major power in college across. Let's take it all the way back. So, so let's talk about your history here. So, here's something you may or may not know. Some of you, if you if you follow sports, you may know this. Some of you may be like, "You got to be kidding me." So, let's take it all the way back to the days of Jim Brown. Jim Brown. So, we all know who Jim Brown is, and we know Jim Brown and his legacy as a running back in the National Football League. However, you may or may not know that Jim Brown was a he played lacrosse and from my understanding he was many people will say that he was a much better lacrosse player than he was a football player but the funny thing about that as you know remember my dad telling me this years ago and as I laugh and I'm going I, I couldn't imagine because I'm thinking so you mean to tell me that somebody had the good sense or had the or, or allowed him to Jim Brown in the 1950s to don lacrosse stick and run down a field as the only black guy playing lacrosse at Syracuse. To me, the image in my mind is, you know, I laugh about it, but it says so much again about the time. So that time and how the world has changed, but yet not hasn't changed because we know that, you know, we've gone through waves of racial reckoning and waves of racial change okay but all that to say that you know you Syracuse has kind of seen a lot of change in their program they were the program I mean if you think about if you follow college across you think about you know the teams who were always in it it was always Johns Hopkins it was always Syracuse Hopkins has kind of fallen off a little bit Syracuse has fallen off I don't say a little bit probably a little bit more than a little bit um, again, that kind of shows you kind of the how the talent has spread out across college across and then college sports in general. You know, the talent has spread out. You know, you're getting teams like Denver winning national championships. You know, Maryland got one in a few years ago. They hadn't won a title since like the 70s. Uh, you know, Virginia still, you know, winning titles. Um, I'm trying to think who else. Um, you know, Duke, you know, has gone, you know, won some titles. So, again, the, the talent has spread out across the sport. But, again, um, it just kind of shows you that at a certain point in time, you kind of have to ask yourself, you know, what needs to happen in order for, you know, a program to kind of get back on track? You know, you say, okay, well, is the situation where, you know, do we need new blood? Like, when you ask yourself, when do, do we need new blood? Now, mind you, 46 years, okay, you, you kind of give them a chance to say, okay, you know we're gonna allow you to walk away when you feel like walking away. I believe Desco uh, he was putting into the National Lacrosse Hall of Fame. I think a couple of years ago. Uh, I think what twenty might have been twenty twenty. I think twenty nineteen, twenty twenty, something like that. Or I, I don't know. I forget the numbers. Anyway, but he's you know fairly recently he's been he's put in the Hall of Fame. So he's a Hall of Famer. So I guess you want to give him 
that that option to walk away whenever he feels like it. Okay, and then maybe that's kind of the same deference that I guess Syracuse is kind of given to Jim Beheim on the basketball side. But Beheim, you know, he's talked about retiring at least 20 times in the last 10 years and ain't gone nowhere yet. Uh, and mind you, he's the same age as Coach K. So, again, the question here is, okay, Coach K has decided, okay, it's time for me to go. Um, you know, I've heard rumors, people saying, oh, well, he's leaving because – Oh, the game has changed and this, that, and the third. I'm going, if, if, let's think about this. In 41 years of coaching, the game has changed. He could have left 10 years ago, but he's gone this long and saying, I'm going to go one more time. He has changed with the game. So I don't know. I mean, I tend to believe that, you know, again, a 74 year old man winning five national championships, come on now. At this point, he's probably like, look, like he talked about in this press conference, look, I want to live my life. I actually want to wake up in the morning, you know, spend more time with my family. Not to say that he hasn't because, you know, uh, I've read, you know, a lot of, um, you know, seen a lot of um, uh, documentaries and read some stuff about, you know, Coach K, not not only about how he is as a as a as a motivational speaker as a coach but you know he you know family's very important to him it always has been um i think what i'm trying to finish reading his first book and he talks about a lot of the things that are fundamental to him and the things that made him the coach that he is and how he and his system how he you know interacts with his players and, and that sort of thing but that's always been important to him and you know now he wants to really put that First, as you know, as you know, as a man, so I, you know, I respect that. So, you know, I don't really think it's so much about the game has changed and all that sort of thing. He knows the game has changed. I mean, he's watched it change. He's changed the game in some ways, but now it's just it's time to do something else. It's time to focus on other things because you know, you know, living to seventy four that's a blessing, and you want to live many more years, but you want to enjoy those years. You know, uh, surrounded by your family, surrounded by your friends, but that's. Um, kind of the big thing. It's like, what is it about, you know, just, you know, reading the room? That's the other thing, I, you know, I want to say, you know, read the room, you know, okay, great. You're a Hall of Famer. You've coached all these years, you know, Coach K, he read the room. Okay, you know, not that anyone's telling me to leave. They're basically saying, you know, he's earned the right to walk away and he's doing that. But there's a lot of coaches out here that will coach for years and years and years, but like, read the room. It's like, you... <laughs> okay, it's time to go. <laughs> it's time to do something else. Like maybe, you know, the game, so for some, in some cases, maybe the game has passed some folks by. Um, I also read about, you know, going back to Desco, um, you know, there was controversy on the team this year. And, you know, seven and six was not a good season for them. But the other issue was, um, you know, there was controversy on the team. There was a, a player who uh, I believe he was accused of a sexual assault. Um, I think he was vindicated. I think he was suspended. He was vindicated. Um, some players and the team captains uh, were not pleased with the with the outcome that he was allowed to come back to the team. And so that I think that kind of had a divisive sort of um, situation with the team. And so with that said, you know, I, I guess it was just kind of not a great season in that regard. But again, you know, it, we're, we're seeing this more and more all these um, the, these these coaches who coach for years and years and years, and I guess again, like I say after you get to a certain point, you earn the right 
to say I'm ready to walk away. So now it's just reading the room and saying, okay, you know what? I'm done because maybe it's time to pump some new blood into what we're doing, pump some new blood into this program. And especially if it's a program that's lost its way to kind of allow someone else to take over and, and do what they need to do. Um, so the next thing is uh, Cameron Kenley. So Cameron Ken- Kenley just recently graduated from the Naval Academy. He was a cornerback on the Naval football, the Naval Academy football team, and he um, asked for a delay in serving out his Naval commission. So it's a five-year commitment after you earn uh, a degree from the Naval Academy, and um, he was not allowed. So his uh, so his appeal or not his uh, his request was denied. Um, he is not allowed to appeal the decision. And so he, I think, is able to, I think the Tampa Bay Buccaneers sent him a contract. So he's going to play for Tampa Bay. He's not allowed to play. Um, so he has to report back to Annapolis uh, in about 20 days to begin his service as an ensign in the U.S. Navy. And then he'll later on, I think uh, maybe six months or a year from, from now, he'll uh, attend uh, intelligence, uh, intelligence schools, I believe, that makes him a restricted line officer. Uh, in U.S. Navy, and um, it's interesting because there have been—I mean, he's not the first athlete to be denied their uh, ability to delay them serving. But there are a number of players currently from Army, from Air Force, who have been able to have their start in their respective service delayed. So, in Army, you go in, come in as a second lieutenant. Uh, and also as in the Air Force, you come in as a second lieutenant. So, yeah. So essentially, these guys, they were allowed to, you know, and they're playing NFL. They're allowed to uh, delay the start of their military career. Um, so I don't know. There's something interesting about that. I, I, I thought maybe it was it may have had something to do with his military specialty, but it's intelligence. So, um, it seems like the Navy is doing this specifically because the Navy secretary, I think, uh, was not accepting any requests. So I think the request was submitted, but I think it stopped at the level of the, ah, gosh, I'm trying to remember the article. Um, it, the, the, I think it stopped at the level of the uh, probably the, um, naval personnel, like probably one an officer at the personnel level, but it did not proceed up to the naval secretary's office. So at that, so with that said, um, that's the end of that. I believe one of the articles I read, he was going to uh, ask Senator Marsha Blackburn of Tennessee to write a letter on his behalf. Um, I just had a quick glimpse at his Twitter feed. It sounds like he's probably either a not going to do that or couldn't do that. Or just, he's just at the point where he's just like, it is what it is. Um, he's ready to, you know, he, he, he's, he doesn't have a problem starting his Naval career. He's, you know, that would be ridiculous to go four years at the Naval Academy, put yourself through all that hell to go, what I have to serve now. Duh. You know, he's a, he has, he doesn't have a problem with that. He's ready to serve. I mean, it's five years. I mean, again, we're talking about time again. A lot can happen in five years. Will he be able to have a viable football career? Who knows? I mean, maybe he, you know, will be able to still play. I don't know. I mean, you know, people tend to, you know, keep themselves in shape in five years. But, I mean, and I mean, he'll still be, you know, fairly, you know, fairly young guy. So, I mean, who knows? I mean, he may come back to it. 
Um, there is, I think, a reserve component. So after you serve five years active duty, there is a reserve component. I don't remember the years. I think it differs from service to service. But nevertheless, that could allow him the opportunity to play if he wanted to still play. But um, at, when I first read about the story, I was like, that's kind of unfair. But I had to do a little research. But, I mean, it it stinks because, you know, um, the, the, the previous occupant of the White House uh, pushed through uh, a, a declaration through his Secretary of Defense that allowed for uh, players to go through this process to where if they wanted to play pro, pro sports, they could ask to delay their service. And I think Obama... Uh, who was an actual president um obama i think um also advocated for the same type of thing i think there was something that he he either signed an executive order or something to that regard um in response to kind of looking at that thing for um uh players uh you know guys you know men and women it's, and that's the other thing i i feel like this affects more male athletes at these academies because you know we see a lot of them go to the nfl i think uh oh my gosh malcolm oh my gosh his name just escapes me he plays for the dolphins and he actually took advantage of the ruling by the orange man to play for the dolphins malcolm perry i think is his name and he played i think nine games with the Dolphins last year so and he's an academy graduate um so again he was able to take advantage of it. but like I said he's not the first he probably won't be the last but in just as a one last note here he really couldn't get any um uh explanations to why he was denied so that I think that's kind of the thing that kind of bugged me about this he wasn't able to get an explanation as to why his request was denied so it just sounds like it's some thing with the navy that they're doing when the framework is there to allow for um, to allow for this to occur. All right, last piece here. Um, recently, the Secretary of Education Miguel Cardona um, stated, uh, in so many words, that transgender athletes have a right to compete, uh, and the Biden administration will do whatever is necessary to protect those rights so currently eight states idaho alabama arkansas mississippi montana south dakota west virginia and as most recently florida have banned trans athletes from girls and women's competitions um so it's it's really just sickening in as we start off pride month that these states, I think Florida most recent, and I forget, uh, I feel like Idaho was fairly recent as well, um, that these states have made it a point to sign off this type of legislation. I think it doesn't make a lick of sense as to why. Um, I, I just don't really understand why this is an issue. Um, we're talking about them playing sports. It's, it's almost as if everything around trans issues becomes sexualized, you know, and that and that and that bothers me because then the question in my mind is then if these are people who think this in creating these bills and starting this hubbub, then my thing is, what do you think about trans people? Like, what do you really believe about them and 
and answering that question kind of rhetorically, it's kind of like apparently they have no idea about what you know what trans people think what they believe how they live they have no clue and this is all based upon some ridiculous ridiculous narrative that people have in their minds i mean we're talking about the ability of them to play sports sports we're not talking about anything else and then let's take it a step further why do you care if they play in these competitions it's like everything that is done because this is all the GOP everything that is done by the GOP it's like let's tell everyone what to do in regards to their life which makes which and these things don't amount to a drop in the bucket but these are the same people that will go load an AR-15 and go to their state state house and complain that I have to wear a mask so basically you're mad about a piece of cloth that is going to save your life and others and not and i'm not just talking about the people around them that they don't care about i'm talking about this is going to save you know these these are the same people that want to be like i'm going to have a party regardless okay you're going to have a 90th birthday party for grandma in the middle of a pandemic do you really love grandma because if one of you has covid grandma's getting covid and i don't think grandma's going to last very long i mean this is the kind of sense that these folks want to make and it doesn't it's so ridiculous it just doesn't make a lick of sense but i don't know the i don't really have much else to say about it i i i I basically want to firmly say that i agree with secretary secretary cardona um these bills to me i think they are they're just heinous they i think infringe on life infringe on you know you know life liberty and the pursuit of happiness the things that we say we stand for in this country um will there be something in uh case law that will support the case of those who are who are against these bills i don't know because even if it is guess what people the folks who elected the orange man put in a lot of people in these judicial positions who are basically going to rule against you whether you know ideologically they're going to say well the law says this when it probably doesn't in other words What's crazy about the judiciary right now is there are still some good judges in the judiciary who are actually looking out for people and standing up for the rule of law. But the folks who are in there now who got put in by the orange man are doing just the opposite. So they're going to be more ideological when law really shouldn't be ideological. So for those of you who still believe that elections don't matter elections matter because sitting out in 2016 is going to bite us in the butt for a very long time especially on the judiciary side of things and it's laws like these that unfortunately because when all these federal cases start hitting and they're going to hit somebody we might get one person that might get a victory but i'm going to tell you in most of these states if these even if they're not folks who are appointed by the orange man they're going to be 
ideologically conservative and they're going to find some way to uphold this crap. I would be shocked if there is a conservative judge who will look at this and look at the rule of law and go, you know, there is something discriminatory about this because this is discriminatory. Let's call it what it is. And it's going to take a lot more and, and, and it's going to take a lot for us to get to a point to where we can we have to stop looking at everyone and having narratives and making laws based on these narratives. Let's think about all these anti-election laws that are coming up. Why? Because folks got mad because black people actually went to vote, got the orange man the hell up out of here, and now they're mad and want to essentially take us back to Jim Crow. Stay woke. All right. That's what was on my mind today. I don't know when I'm going to release this. It'll be out soon. But um, real quick, the... um, Wednesday conversation will be out tomorrow, so keep it out for that. So I sent out a tweet. Um, Friday episode, I'm hoping I have a Friday episode uh, coming soon. Uh, oh, coming this end of the week, I'm hoping. We'll see how that goes. I got some things going on, but uh, if not, I'll definitely be hitting y'all up real soon. Uh, until then, uh, you know, do what you got to do. It's hot as hell out here. Drink your water, get vaccinated, wear your mask, and mind your damn business. Peace.